Support for the Legislative Gazette comes from New York State United Teachers, a union of professionals standing with more than 600,000 workers in education, human services, and health care with the Our Voice, Our Values, Our Union campaign. And United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. Some members of the state's Ethics Commission pressed for a subpoena to look into a controversy over Governor Andrew Cuomo's hiring of former aide Larry Schwartz as a, quote, volunteer COVID-19 vaccine czar for the state. The state attorney general is investigating whether Schwartz inappropriately tried to trade political loyalty for vaccine deliveries to some county leaders. Cuomo's appointees to the Ethics Commission voted the proposal down. The Legislative Gazette's Karen DeWitt reports. Schwartz, a former chief of staff to Cuomo, headed up the state's vaccination distribution as an unpaid volunteer. Some county leaders accused Schwartz of trying to trade loyalty to the governor, who is embroiled in several scandals, for access to vaccine doses. Cuomo and Schwartz deny that occurred, but the allegations are the subject of a probe by Attorney General Tish James, as well as an impeachment inquiry by the state assembly. Gary Levine, a commissioner on the Joint Commission on Public Ethics, known as JCOPE, has been pressing for authorization to issue a subpoena. He wants to find out more about Schwartz's status and whether there were any ethical conflicts. The request is for an informational subpoena. Because Schwartz was a volunteer, he was exempt from the state's public officer's law under a special executive order issued by Cuomo. Without that exemption, Schwartz would have been required to file financial disclosure forms and be banned from lobbying the state for two years. Schwartz, during his time volunteering as vaccines are, continued to work for an airport concessions company that holds state contracts. He left the volunteer post in April after the state legislature voted to make Schwartz subject to the public officer's law. Levine, who was appointed to Jacob by the Senate Minority Republican leader, says the subpoenas would seek information about whether Schwartz or other volunteers ever recused themselves from any decisions that could potentially pose a conflict of interest with their private sector employers. Likely one or more of the senior level volunteers are not volunteers at all. Um, they are being paid or they were paid before the rescission of the order by their employers employers who may have substantial business with the state. Commissioner Jim Yates, who was appointed by Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty, a Democrat, also backs the proposal. He says Jacob's staff had asked for the information about the volunteers from the governor's office, but the request was rejected. He says there are many unanswered questions. We've asked the question repeatedly. This might be the fourth month in a row when I've asked the question, and that is, Suppose somebody is invested with the authority of a state officer or a public officer to wield great power during this emergency situation, and that person acts in conflict. Uh, for instance, awarding a contract to a family member or to a as a political favor. Is there no way that we can look at it. Commissioner Daniel Horwitz, who was appointed by Cuomo, was among the commissioners who questioned whether Jacob has the authority to issue the subpoena. If the commission votes in favor of issuing this subpoena, it will be a subpoena 
outside of the law. Commissioner Marvin Jacob, also appointed by the Assembly Speaker, argued that the proposed subpoena was not unusual and that similar oversight organizations routinely issue them. It's not something alien and unheard of, not done, done everywhere, all the time. In the end, the motion was voted down. Although seven commissioners voted in favor and six against, under Jacob's rules, eight votes are required for a motion to carry. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. New Yorkers are unhappy with embattled New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, but a poll shows they don't think he should resign. The Legislative Gazette's Dave Lucas with more. A poll taken in early March found 51 percent of New York voters felt the third-term Democrat should not immediately resign as he denied sexual harassment allegations and faced multiple investigations. Siena's Steve Greenberg says a new survey conducted last week finds voters now say Governor Cuomo should not resign by a 49 to 41 percent margin. One has to look at a pint glass with eight ounces of liquid in it and decide if that glass is half full or half empty. Cuomo defenders will point to the uptick in his favorability and re-elect ratings, a solid majority continuing to approve of his handling of the pandemic, and more voters still say he should not resign rather than he should resign immediately. His favorability and job performance ratings, they note, are better now than they were in February 2020, the month before the pandemic. But on the other hand, the governor's detractors will point to his favorability rating, his job performance rating, and his re-elect ratings that all remain underwater, a downtick in his pandemic approval rating, and a rising number of New Yorkers, now 41%, up from 37% last month, who say he should resign immediately. Greenberg notes that Republicans say the governor should resign by a now larger than two-to-one margin, with independents now evenly divided on that question, even while giving Cuomo strongly negative favorability, job performance, and re-election ratings. 42 to 24 percent, voters continue to say that Cuomo has committed sexual harassment, although it's little changed from 44 to 22 percent last month. Asked to choose between an unnamed Democrat and an unnamed Republican as their preference for the governor's race in 2022, the results reflect New York's overwhelming Democratic enrollment advantage. So right now, 55% say they prefer to elect a Democrat, 29% say they would prefer to elect a Republican, a Democratic margin of 27 points. Yet, when we told voters that Cuomo might be that Democrat running against an unnamed Republican. At that point, Cuomo leads the generic Republican 48 to 38 percent, or a 10-point lead. And we told voters, what if it was uh, Attorney General Tish James who was the Democrat? At that point, James leads the generic Republican 46 to 29 percent, a 17-point lead. The poll shows Cuomo leading among black voters by 47 points and trailing with white voters by 9 points. James leads among black voters by 61 points, and she leads among white voters by 5 points. She has a 38 to 20 percent favorability rating, down a little from 39 to 17 percent in April, while 2 in 5 voters either never heard of her or 
don't know enough about her to have an opinion. Greenberg says overall, when it comes to Governor Cuomo's job performance during the pandemic, his numbers remain strong thanks to Democrats. On every pandemic measure other than nursing home data, the survey shows at least two-thirds of Democrats give Cuomo a positive rating. About 64 percent of Republicans give him negative grades on all the pandemic questions, and independents give him either negative or break-even grades. Sienna also asked about COVID-19. Voters strongly support a law to require college students be vaccinated before they return in the fall by a 62 to 32 percent margin. And by a 69 to 19 percent margin, voters say the worst of the pandemic is over rather than it's still the worst is yet to come. Green notes that in January, 55% of New Yorkers thought the worst of the pandemic was still to come. A Cuomo spokesperson declined to comment on the poll. There's more information at wamc.org. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Allison Dunn. You are listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Joining us now, Legislative Gazette political observer Alan Shartok. Alan, let's go to New York City for a moment. Trump criminal investigation looms over Manhattan DA race. Eight days after Donald Trump turns 75 next month, New York City voters will cast their last ballots in an election that's sure to have consequences for the former president. It's not another White House run, but a vote in the Democratic Party primary for Manhattan's next district attorney, the person who would likely end up handling prosecution if an ongoing investigation of Trump's business finds criminal wrong doing. The current district attorney, Cyrus Vance, we've talked about this, Alan, leaving office at the end of the year, meaning there's a good chance he'll pass the two-year probe to his successor. This is an important race. It certainly is. And there are many of us who have been scratching our heads and wondering why Vance has not proceeded more aggressively and why he's getting out at a time when his re-election could be reassured by the fact that he was the one who was supposedly going to bring the charges with all of the material that he has collected in terms of tax returns and everything else, which he fought for. So that election and what the next district attorney does is going to be extremely important in bringing Trump to justice if that that's what's appropriate. The State Ethics Commission, Alan, yep. pressed for a subpoena this week to look into a controversy over Governor Andrew Cuomo's hiring of former aide Larry Schwartz as a volunteer COVID-19 vaccine czar for the state. Our Karen yep. DeWitt reporting on that. Of course, yep. the state attorney general is investigating whether Schwartz inappropriately tried to trade political loyalty for vaccine deliveries to some county leaders. Cuomo's appointees to the Ethics Commission voted the proposal down. Surprise? No, no. The Ethics Committee has been unethical for a long time. It's been, it's been a disgrace. What they do is they put people on that, that they can control. The governor gets a lot of the uh, votes. There's weighted voting, meaning that some people's votes count more than others. You know, every time they announce a new one, because the old one is in such disgrace, somebody has to come forward and explain that the rules are still favoring the people that they're supposed to be looking at. It's awful. 
Alan, a new Siena College poll this week out finds that New Yorkers are unhappy with embattled governor, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, but it still shows they don't think that he should resign. I've been seeing more analysis to something that you've been saying, which is the governor may very well run again and win. Oh, I think there's a very good chance he'll run again. I've been saying that for a long time at his worst moments. Now, obviously, he has a bunch of serious allegations that have been made about him. Even he acknowledges that and talked about the need for the investigations that are going on. Nevertheless, the question is, who beats him? If it's in the Democratic Party, will Letitia James have the guts to take him on? Uh, you know, a fighting attorney general who has distinguished herself in many ways, will she take him on? Uh, will um, Tom DiNapoli, my favorite, <laughs> who's a great guy, uh, take him on? I don't think so. Our controller, who's done a very good job. And on the Republican side, ah, oh boy, they're coming up with the same old, same old Trumper-oriented uh, Republican types in Blue State, New York. Forget about that. So let's see. Now, obviously, there are those people who want uh, Cuomo out of there, and they'll do anything to get him out of there. They yell impeachment, they yell this and that. But the thing about tough guy Andrew is he's tough. You may not like him, but I'll tell you, he sticks to his guns and he says, if I quit, I'm in disgrace. If I don't quit, hey, what the hell? So uh, there you are. Legislative Gazette political observer, Alan Chartok. Listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Local officials and environmental advocates are expressing concern over the future of the decommissioning of the Indian Point Nuclear Power Facility in Westchester County. The Legislative Gazette's Lucas Willard with details. Last week, state officials celebrated a sale agreement of Indian Point from parent company Entergy to Holtec International the entity tasked with decommissioning the site. Indian Point ceased operations at the end of April. The sale agreement was brokered by New York State Attorney General Tish James, who said last week the agreement with Holtec, quote, certifies we can move forward with a decommissioning process that is safe, responsible, thorough, and exceeds stringent federal standards, end quote. Governor Andrew Cuomo, in a statement called the agreement brokered after years of negotiations, quote, a win for the health and safety of New Yorkers and the protection of our environment, end quote. Along with the agreement, the Attorney General, Environmental Organization Riverkeeper, and the Town of Cortland and neighboring Hendrick Hudson School District were to withdraw a lawsuit against the Federal Nuclear Regulatory Commission regarding the decommissioning process. 
Wednesday night, environmental nonprofit Clearwater held a virtual forum for environmental advocates, local officials, and members of the public to express their concerns and hopes for the decommissioning process. Mana Joe Green, an Ulster County legislator and environmental action director at Clearwater, takes issue with the rapid-style decommissioning that is being pursued by Holtec, referred to as DECON. She cited potential risks for workers and impacts from contaminated sediment and dust. So there's potential contamination to the community at large, and there could be higher cleanup costs, but given how rushed the decommissioning that Holtec is planning, um, you know, that may not be the case. Their, their whole idea is quick and dirty and keep what's left in the decommissioning fund. Under the sale agreement approved by the New York State Public Service Commission, Holtec proposes to, quote, complete the vast majority of the decommissioning at Indian Point and secure partial site release by the end of 2036 and potentially as early as 2033, end quote. The agreement also states Holtec's decon plan would, quote, accelerate release and reuse, restoring the property tax base for local communities, driving industry, encouraging new investment and innovation as the state implements its Green New Deal, and creating jobs in ways that would otherwise be unavailable, end quote. Green said Clearwater prefers a decommissioning plan that would take longer, up to 20 years, but would take into account all of the protections that would be put into place. Under the agreement, the New York State Department of Public Service will be tasked with putting into place an oversight board for the decommissioning. Vanessa Agadello, a Peekskill City Council member, doubts the effectiveness of an oversight board unless it includes representation from the most impacted, including black and brown community members in the localities surrounding Indian Point. She says the public was sidelined and ignored in the Indian Point transfer process. Um, even calls for public hearings uh, to NR NRC were also ignored. Um, so it's, it's for these reasons and, and many others that it gives me kind of very little hope for what an oversight board can truly accomplish if it's not given the serious teeth it needs to truly have uh, real oversight and if it's not truly representative of the people who have the most at stake so that environmental justice communities like ours don't get shortchanged. Another concern brought up Wednesday relates to the Dan Scammer gas-fired power plant in Newburgh, north of Indian Point. Advocates worry that the closing of Indian Point will encourage the refiring of the plant. Amber Grant is a councilperson in the city of Beacon across the river from the Dan Scammer plant. Many proponents of Dan Scammer point to the closure of Indian Point and cite an inaccurate need to replace the energy coming from that plant. So not only is the wrong solution to turn to fossil fuels, but we are being asked to bear a greater burden by subjecting environmental justice communities to hosting these polluting plants. Following presentations from stakeholders, participants broke into smaller groups to continue the conversation around Indian Point. Clearwater says it plans to host more community forums throughout the summer. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Lucas Willard. With less than a month left in the state legislative session, officials from the New York Farm Bureau recently discussed key pieces of legislation and policy strategies they want the legislature to consider or complete before adjourning. The Legislative Gazette's Pat Bradley reports. Farm Bureau members focused on three pending bills in the Senate and Assembly, saying legislators need to rely on science as they set farm policy. One of the bills would ban seeds treated with insecticides known as neonicotinoids. 
Merrimack Farms co-owner Brad McCauley grows corn, soybeans, and vegetables in Geneseo. He says the bill does not recognize that farmers are using a targeted tool. They're applied directly to the seed, and we've developed better best management practices over the years to help safeguard pollinators. The Extended Producer Responsibility Act would revise New York's recycling system by making product producers in all business sectors responsible for recycling, reuse, and recovery of materials. Travel and Wines co-owner Peter Saltonstall, a member of the New York Wine Industry Association, said stakeholders and those who would have to run the program were not involved when the bill was drafted. They're lacking in detail and specifically on the cost of what it would take to administer them and run them. Uh, this is a huge, huge new program that's being presented And it's going to affect not only just ag, but it's going to affect everybody. What we're hoping to do is encourage the governor and the legislature to pause on this this legislation and form a state commission to study recycling and include the stakeholders. New York Farm Bureau also wants an extension of the agriculture property tax credit. Public Policy Director Jeff Williams says it's not a big change, but it is critical to help farmers pay property taxes. There's a program which has been a lifeline for farms to help them reduce their taxes called the Farmers School Tax Credit Program. There's an exclusion so a spouse can get a job off farm in order to get insurance for the family. This bill would increase that $30,000 to $50,000 of off-farm income. Separate from the Farm Bureau, New York U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand on Wednesday called on the U.S. Department of Agriculture to provide more relief to dairy farmers that have struggled to keep up with volatile dairy prices. She said the coronavirus food assistance program was critical to offset dairy losses during the pandemic. The Democrats said the program has stopped payments and a new program does not include dairy farmers. So she is asking the USDA for additional relief for them. My colleagues and I outline the need for USDA to continue issuing payments to dairy farmers under CFAP or new programs like the Pandemic Assistance for Producers Initiative. Not only do we call for these payments to continue for the first half of the year, we also want them made retroactive to January 1. CFAP payments have been a lifeline to our dairy producers during this time of financial stress, especially our small and mid-sized dairy operations, which have been hit the hardest by this pandemic and have few cash reserves on hand to cushion their losses when milk prices fall below production costs. Dairy is the largest agricultural sector in New York State, the nation's fourth largest producer of milk. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm Pat Bradley. listening to the Legislative Gazette, a program about New York State government and politics. I'm David Gustina. Joining us now, Marina Vilnu, 
an Associated Press reporter on New York State government and politics. Marina, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Let's start with a New York bill that would give sexual abuse survivors a new chance to sue. Explain. Right. So in 2019, uh, New York passed a law that gave New Yorkers who were victims of sexual abuse as children a chance to file lawsuits against priests, teachers, and others. And there is another bill called the Adult Survivors Act, which would give people who were sexually abused as adults a chance to sue perpetrators. The Senate is planning to vote on this bill next week. There isn't a plan yet in the Assembly for what's going to happen. Some of the biggest supporters include some of the women who say that they were sexually assaulted by a former gynecologist, Robert Hayden. They say there doesn't seem to be much organized opposition at all to this bill, and they're hoping it's something that the legislature does before it wraps up on June 10th. We learned this week that the Cuomo impeachment investigation is rolling along, and they've now, I guess, spoken to around 75 people. Right. This week, we got a little update on the impeachment investigation. It seems over the past month, they've interviewed about five more people, which doesn't seem like a lot more people. But the chairman of the Judiciary Committee said that lawyers reviewed tens of thousands of pages of documents. It's unknown when this probe will wrap up or if there's going to be any sort of public hearings or any sort of the transparency that we've seen in other impeachment investigations, especially at the federal level. Meanwhile, New York's attorney general, also probing the governor, said her probe will conclude when it concludes. Right. Letitia James last Friday was asked about some statements from the governor's spokesperson, which really questioned the integrity of her impeachment probe. And she, you know, defended her office and her probe of sexual harassment, as well as whether the governor illegally used state resources to write and promote his COVID-19 leadership book. And she also didn't give any hint about when her probe will end. Lawmakers don't expect any of the probes to wrap up before they wrap up their work by mid-June. She is Marina Villeneuve. New York State government reporter for the Associated Press. You can read more at ap.org. Marina, thanks. Thank you. And that about does it for this week's show. We had help from the New York State Public Radio Network. For copies, call 1-800-323-9262. That's 1-800-323-9262. Ask for program number 2122. Or just listen or schedule a podcast on the web at wamc.org. And join us again next week at this same time for more news on New York State government and politics. For the Legislative Gazette, I'm David Gustina.